1: Hello, Raider Nation. To Believe in Raiders Podcast, from the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Dennis Ackerman, Pleased to be joined by former Raider Greg Stanford Route. Stan, happy new year, my man.
2: Happy New Year to YouTube, my man. Uh uh looking forward to another great episode, another great year of uh being with you, man.
1: Absolutely. Let's hope it's a better one for the Raiders in 2023 now. Yes. You know what? If you listen to this podcast, uh we all know it's a Raiders podcast, but We do talk about other things as well, and we're going to begin with the Buffalo Bills defensive back, DeMar Hamlin, who remains in critical condition in a Cincinnati hospital. Uh, Monday night, he had his heartbeat restored after suffering cardiac arrest on the field following a tackle he made in the first quarter. Paramedics worked on him for nearly 10 minutes as they were able to get his heartbeat restored. Stan, you and I were both watching the game in great anticipation because we thought this was going to be a great matchup. And then to witness this horrifying scene play out, it was just absolutely gut-wrenching. You played this game for eight years in the NFL, Stan. This is one of your own. This is one of your fraternity brothers. This is one of your brothers. What was it like for you watching this unfold on television?
2: Man, it was horrific. You know, it was gut wrenching. And I say that because, you know, whenever you watch this game as a fan, teammate, coach, um, what have you, you know, and you see somebody go, a big hit boom and usually okay both guys get up maybe a little slow you see Tua he gets up he's a little wobbly but he's still getting up right and then when you see Hamlin make the what looks to be like a routine tackle on T Higgins and he gets up okay no problem and then you see him collapse right then and there that's when it's like whoa like everything just took like a a stark turn to the left and um you know, it's one thing, it's already bad enough when it's, uh, okay, yeah, he looks a little woozy, looks like he's going to be going to concussion protocol, he's got to go into the tent, they got to go and check him out, you know, the neuroscientists and all that, but then when you start to see that they're giving that thing called CPR, resuscitating, now it takes on a completely different meaning. Like now, like, we're wondering, is he going to still be with us, mm-hmm. you know, um, from the spiritual sense? Uh, not, is he going to be able to finish the game? Not, is he going to be able to play next week? It's just, is he going to be with us? And, you know, man, like, oh, man. I'm like, I'm like, you really, really feel for everybody involved. You know, it's something that you notice how everybody at the stadium, which was mainly Cincinnati Bengal fans, um, everybody stayed. You didn't see anybody leave. And then that's when all of a sudden it really resonates with you that this is a game. That's it. It's just a game. It's just a way for a lot of guys who are supremely talented to feed their family, support their family. And at the end of the day, man, like you're human. At the end of the day, he's he's a man. He's a brother. He's a father. He's somebody's uncle, somebody's uh, son, you know? And like, it's just, man, it, it's horrific to see. Obviously now we're hearing that he's doing better. So prayers keep going up. I think prayers are going to continue to have a positive Uh, outcome for this situation but man just to see that you know and I I really cannot I I can't really really qualify it any more than I can right there DA just it resonates with you obviously I don't know him uh, personally Uh, he's vastly younger than me but at the very end of the day you know he's a fraternity brother in this thing called the NFL but above all that he's a fellow human and you know a lot of times fans look at players like they're cartoon characters, you know, like they're just these, these figures that you see on the TV screen, you kind of feel like they don't have feelings, emotions, families, you know, whatever. And, you know, it just goes to show, man, like, you know, a lot of times as players, we look like gladiators because we're out there with the helmet, with the pads, you know, we're, we're 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 we got chiseled bodies, we're in good shape. You see the rocked up pecs and things like that. And it just goes to show, man, at the end of the day, you are freaking human. And anybody has the opportunity to go ahead and dare I say, leave this planet, you know. Um, so yeah, just seeing that, it meant like, it's, wow. Uh, hopefully, like I said, he winds up ha- making a full recovery. Right now, he's doing much better than he was on Monday. So the prayers need to continue to pour in, as I do every night before I go to bed. It just, it, it just really resonates with you, man. And, like, you know, it just goes to show, man, this game is so freaking precious. But life is even more precious and how – when you view everything out of that prism, this game doesn't mean, you know, because it's all about his life hanging in the balance. Not, can he make it back for the playoffs? Not, is he gonna be able to suit up next week? Not, is he gonna be able to avoid going on IR? No, 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 none of that. Now it's just, man, like, we need to make sure that he's still with us, you know? Damn the game, who cares if it doesn't get, you know, replayed or whatever, who cares? It may affect the playoff standings or the playoff rankings, whatever. Who cares? If you like Roger Goodell, you'll figure all that out. Exactly. But, uh, you know, the main thing is, like, you just want to make sure this young man who's what, in his second year, yeah, you just want to make sure ago. that, like, you just want to make sure that he's still with us. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it just it just puts everything in perspective. It's something my dad used to always tell me, even still to this day. it just It just... It really makes you aware of what's most important in life. So I'll go ahead and just leave it right there. Uh, uh, Like I said, my heart goes out to him, his family, the Buffalo Bills, the NFL community, anybody that was watching that game. And hopefully, uh, hopefully he makes a speedy recovery. And this is a story of triumph rather than tragedy when we look back
1: on it. You know what, Stan, you bring that up. And to me, it's interesting. And over the last couple of days, I've read and I've heard so much. To me, it's been overreaction about the game of football. Is it safe? I mean, Stan, you played it. We, we know it's a violent game. But at the same time, yes. to me, the NFL game has never been safer with all the protocols and the rules that have been in place over the past, uh, I'll say, dec- or decade or so. I mean, you know, everyone wants to make a big deal why the NFL didn't make the call to suspend the game sooner. and Why was their announcement that the game would resume after the teams were allowed a five-minute warm-up. Today, Bengals coach Zach Taylor said there was never any directives for the game to resume. I mean, Stan, this was an unprecedented situation, and it's not a perfect system the NFL has. I'm sure there was a lot of moving pieces down on that field, which we have no idea what was going on. So to me, Stan, can't we just focus on the fact that the medical team reacted in a timely manner and likely saved the life of DeMar Hamlin? I mean, Every NFL team is required to design and implement an emergency action plan. It's reviewed by the NFL and the NFLPA, stand, and it's mm-hmm. approved by third-party experts. So home teams, for those of you who don't know, they must designate a level one trauma center and have two certified crews of paramedics and two advanced life support ambulances at a stadium for a game. I think that's and thank what they, God they, they focused did. focused on, Stan. Thank God. Right? Yeah. Thank God.
2: I think Things
1: that... Negative. I mean, I, look, I know the NFL's not perfect, and we'd love to pile on every chance yeah. we get but man they got it right they saved someone's life
2: yeah they did and you know you got to go and give them credit for that i just i just think that you know in our society it's like we always have to find the villain or we have to find somebody that we can go ahead and kind of point the finger at and you know within this situation you know i, I I mean, listen, you know, if you want to sit over there and you want to see the glasses half full, uh, or I'm sorry, half empty, then like you go right ahead, you know, as a fan or just a consumer of the NFL that wants to view it through that prism. I just look at him like that kid was resuscitated on the football field. That kid is still amongst us on planet Earth right now. If you want to sit there and say, Whoa, you know, the NFL should have called the game right then and there, and you know, yeah, they probably should have. But listen. When the hell has there ever been a time where somebody's had to be resuscitated on the football field? Like, not that I know of in my lifetime, maybe somewhere, you know, long, long ago, nothing that I know of. So my point when I'm trying to make it, it's real easy to go ahead and try to villainize or point the finger at the NFL. But like, this is something that they have not had prior experience to. This is something that is new to them. Like, wow, we go and we see a routine tackle. A guy gets up. Okay can go ahead and exhale, and then all of a sudden, he collapses. And you know, it's not a situation where, okay, he's a little woozy, let's go ahead, help him to the sideline, put him in a concussion protocol, see where he is neurologically, and then we can assess the situation. No, you gotta try to resuscitate this guy to bring him back to life. That's something that's completely different than nobody has experienced in. So that's where I'm just thankful that, okay, he was resuscitated, he's now living. I'm not gonna sit up here and you know point the finger at well, hey, uh good job for resuscitating, but you know, you, 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 you still messed up. Right. I'm not gonna sit up here and do that just because I don't have the energy to do that. I'm gonna put all forth my energy towards making sure that he's okay. And you know, just to to to, to go back to that within football, somebody tears an ACL in practice. During a team drill, the coach will just move the ball up about 15 to 20 yards to go ahead and let the paramedics, the trainers go ahead and tend to the injured individual, but they still continue with practice. You know, if you get a player who gets a concussion during a football game, he's going to be a help to the sideline. He's going to be in concussion protocol. They're going to continue with the game. And, you know, when you really just sit and watch – It was hard for me to watch because it's at certain points, I'm kind of I'm, – I'm wondering, like, am I really seeing what my eyes are telling me I'm seeing because I've never seen somebody be resuscitated on a football field. Right. I've seen your trainers rush over. They go ahead – Feel on your ligaments, make sure that you know your ligaments are intact as far as you didn't tear your ACL, things like that. They may go and hold up, hey, how many fingers am I holding up? Just to see if you have a concussion, things like that, but never where you're actually seeing CPR being done on a football field. And you know, I just think that for so many people, the decision makers, the officials, everybody within the NFL, this is a this is new territory for them. This is something they'd never experienced. So you know, we don't know what exactly was going on down there on that football field. We don't know. We were all watching it on TV just like everybody else. I don't know what the hell was going on. So, yes, you can go and sit there and point the finger and tell the NFL that they should have called it sooner. I don't know what the hell was going on as to what caused the delay and decision. I don't know. Right. I'm just going to go ahead and and hope that there were some sort of technicalities. There were some sort of uh, I's they had to uh, dot, T's they had to cross, which led to why it seemed like it took a lengthy amount of time before the game, which is simply called. So that's, that, that, that's really uh, how I'm going to approach this. That's how I'm going to look at it because anybody, anybody that has their own commentary on, what happened on Monday has never been a part of that, has any prior experience to that, at least at least on the NFL level right. that I know of. Maybe Pop Warner, maybe something in middle school or high school or college. I don't know. But as far as the NFL goes, I have never seen, heard anything like that. So I have to imagine that's new for everybody else. It's new territory, you know, so – I mean, we can all go and sit up here about the NFL, and we can talk about many missteps the NFL has made in a lot of different categories. Right. We can talk about that all day long. But as far as this right here, this is something new for everybody. Everybody. So I do think that uh, your, your energy will be better spent thinking about Hamlin rather than uh, um, dumping down on the NFL.
1: Right. Well, you know, something else that came out positive – Stan, two years ago, Hamlin started a GoFundMe page for a community toy drive. Yes, and yes. His original goal was to raise just $2,500 since Monday. I mean, there has just been an incredible outpouring of generosity and donations are now, Stan, just under $7 million as we tape this podcast on Wednesday. I mean, that's something else that's a positive that we're ch- I want to focus on and I want other people to focus on as well.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's uh, that, that's. That's where you need to be putting your energy rather than wondering, well, why the NFL take why did it take them 40 minutes instead of, you know, 10 minutes to call the game. I agree with you right there. You know, um, and it, it just goes to show, you know, in this world. At the end of the day, you know, we all have um, differences. We come from different backgrounds, ethnicities, socioeconomic backgrounds, different uh, religions, you know, obviously different gender, different skin tone different hair color, different hair type, all of that. And that's something that unites all of us because at the end of the day, I don't care who you are, whether you're white, black, pink, or green, you do not want to see somebody lying on the ground being resuscitated and for everybody to come together and to go ahead and pitch in and do their part as far as donating to his GoFundMe account which the originally he had the, the goal of what was just 2,500 and, and now it's well into the millions. So it just goes to show that at the end of the day, humanity, I believe rises above everything else because you can go ahead. And we all know that there's racism in this, in this country, on this planet. We all know that there's people that have anti semitism. We all know that there are people who are chauvinistic, misogynistic. I can go all the way down the line, but, That's where humanity always prevails because you don't wanna see a fellow human being in that position, you just don't. And it's really beautiful to see how so many people have banded together and united to go ahead and put that GoFundMe account at the levels that it is right now.
1: I agree. And you know what, Stan, uh, just one last thing on this. I did do some research uh, to find out if anything like this had ever happened before in a game. And back in 1971, believe it or not, Detroit Lions wide receiver Chuck Hughes, he actually suffered a heart attack against the Chicago bears at the old tiger stadium. It happened with just over a minute left in the game and paramedics were unable to revive him and he did die on the field. Um, But it's different because back then the two teams continued to play and they finished the game. So I found that interesting. I had no idea. I'd never heard of this story, uh, but I did find that out. So um, we have seen it before, but it's been what, over 50 years. So, Uh, Look, I'm not even sure how to transition from this, but we need to obviously, you know, talk about the Raiders. Uh, Let me just get the promo read in here, Stan. Let's just do that next. Uh, The Raiders, they're nine and a half point underdogs uh, on Saturday against at home against the Kansas City Chiefs. BetOnline remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season from everything NFL and bowl season to esports. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, game trends at Online. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag to join. Receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the po- promo code BLEAVE to receive your rewards. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, Stan, I got to admit, I was really amazed at the resolve, the fight the Raiders showed against the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, To me, with management's decision to bench Derek Carr, they were essentially waving the white flag on the season. Uh, I thought the Raiders would simply play out the string, but that was anything but the case. Now, the Kings of the AFC West, the Kansas City Chiefs come and call in in the final game of the year. But before that, Stan, what was your takeaway uh, from the Raiders' performance against the 49ers?
2: Oh, oh, wow. Um, My takeaway was several. Several aspects that don't surprise me, and then a few that actually did. Uh, it doesn't surprise me that the Raiders blew another lead. That does not surprise me. Um, it doesn't surprise me that Brock Purdy, obviously, is playing well and knows this system well under Kyle Shanahan, and they were able to go ahead and move the ball the way that they did. Um, also, what a pleasant surprise, but also when I really think about it, it's not completely surprising. Is how, well, is, is, is how well our guy played. And I simply say that because where did he come from? Jared Stidham, New England Patriots.
1: Right, Auburn before Josh that.
2: McDaniels. And when we look at how Josh McDaniels, when he first got the head coaching job for the Denver Broncos back in the 2009 season, what is the very first thing he tried to do as soon as he got that head coaching job?
1: Didn't he try to acquire Matt Castle from the New England Patriots, and that led to the Jay Cutler trade, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So,
2: obviously, Josh McDaniels wants guys that know his system, that know his scheme, and Jared Stidham, obviously. Jared Stidham through what was it, two interceptions? Yes. Um, I felt like he played pretty good. I felt like he took some shots. He was able to go ahead and complete them. And I liked how efficient – I liked how – how confident he looked within running that offensive scheme. And obviously, we can see for Josh McDaniels, that's why he likes to have somebody from his tree, from his scheme. So that was something that I definitely was uh uh pleased to see. But uh as far as the you know the game went, obviously the Raiders played the 49ers tough. Obviously, they played them for a good portion of the game very well but you still see the holes within the defense. You still see how they need to go ahead and show up a few things on the offensive line, getting Jared Stidham or whoever the quarterback's going to be in the future, getting him more protection. But I can simply say this. D'Amico Ryan's has done a fine job for the, San for the San Francisco 49ers defense all year long, and when you look at how, what was it, how uh, I believe what the 49ers have not given up a, a first drive touchdown all year long, Correct. or they haven't given up a late score you know, uh, within the final right two minutes yes. of the, the yeah of the, of the half like yeah. all year, and <laughs> the Raiders were easily able to do that all day long, but obviously. In the fourth quarter, that's when that defense, they turned it up a notch. They went ahead, and they got back focused, and uh, that's where the Raiders' de- uh, offense started to stall. So, you know, all in all, it was a very tough-fought game. The Raiders clearly should have won, no doubt about that, another blown lead. Yep. Um, But uh, I was pleased to see how Jared Stidham played.
1: Uh, Stan I agree. I thought my biggest takeaway the moment didn't appear to be too big for him. I mean, yes. You know, uh-huh. he made his his first start against arguably the best defense in football. I don't think, you know, yep. too many people are going to disagree Agreed. with that. He completed 23 of 34. Stan for 365 yards in his very first start. He joined yep. Patrick Mahomes as the only quarterbacks this season to throw three touchdown passes against the 49ers. I thought he showed great poise, made a number of nice throws, Raiders scored on six drives. I thought he was accurate on time. Uh, you know, I thought he used his legs to evade obey, sacks. He created extra time in that pocket. Stan, uh, to me, this is just my personal opinion. I think it's too early to start talking about his chances of getting into the mix to become the Raiders' full time starter beyond the season. I mean, he's a free agent. I do think yeah. they should bring him back as at least a backup, maybe uh, even a, a stopgap if they can find.
2: I agree. I agree. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. along those uh-huh. lines. But
1: Stan, let me ask you this. And I'm not trying to downplay what Stidham did, but. You played 8 years on the defensive side of the football in the NFL. How difficult is it for teams when they don't have any tape or very little tape on a quarterback?
2: Well, yeah, it's definitely a little bit different because you're not able to you're not able to personalize how you're going to attack him. Okay. You know with certain quarterbacks who are more so pocket guys, that's something that's something that you want to go ahead and you want to try to blitz them from directly up the middle, flush them out of the pocket like the Tom Brady's of the world, the paid man of the world, because they're more statues. You want to get them out on the move because that's where they're not comfortable. Now, if you got somebody like a Pat Mahomes, somebody like an Aaron Rodgers, a Lamar Jackson, you want to blitz them from outside. You want to keep them in the phone booth. You want to put them in the position or in the area where they feel the least amount of comfort. And so that's where you get to the juxtaposition of not being able to personalize how you're going to attack somebody, whether you're going to go ahead and run cover three, rip Liz, whether you're going to bring the safety down from the weak side or the strong side to the passing strength, things like that. That's where it gets intricate. That's where you cannot really know how to attack this guy specifically to his skill set and what the offense tries to do to accentuate his strengths, hide his weaknesses. So yes, it does get a little tricky, but I can still say this. Even with that being said, you know, the 49ers were out there stoning Tom Brady. Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? So you still got to give some level of credit to a Jared Stidham. Yes, Jamaica Rice was not able to fully game plan for Jared Stidham, but we all assumed just off of the simple fact that the 49ers are number one in damn near every category in defense, they're at least going to be able to get the better of Jared Stidham. They're not going to be out there looking for many parts of the game, looking how they were being dominated by Jared Stidham. So even with all that being said, not being able to go ahead and personalize how they're going to attack him, I still give um, a great amount of credit to Jared Stidham simply for not appearing like the moment was too big for him.
1: All right, I want to give a shout-out and congratulations to Raiders wide receiver Devontae Adams. He surpassed Tim Brown for the most single-season receiving yards yes. in Raiders franchise history. Stan, I, look, I knew Adams is a great player, but every week I feel like he makes a catch, and my reaction is either how did he really catch that or how <laughs> did he do that, you know? And on Wednesday, look, he says he wants to be back with the Raiders in 2023. So, Stan, let me ask yeah. you this. I understand that he's not part of the front office, but he's arguably the best wide receiver in football. So, how much of a say should he have, and who the next Raiders starting quarterback will be? I mean, what the hell do you think?
2: Like, uh, I tell you this, he should have a say. So, but if his say so is Derek Carr, that's where I gotta.
1: He's not. Uh, yeah, is, I think like, he knows Derek's like, not
2: yeah, exactly. Like that's where that's where the line gets drawn. Right. But I definitely think that, uh, for him being your number one guy, for him being arguably the best receiver in the NFL, either him or Justin Jefferson or maybe Stefon Diggs—I don't know—but even if you dislike Devontae Adams, he's no worse than number three. Um, he definitely should have a say. So now, it should it be to the point to where he's sitting in the meetings with the GM, the owner, the head coach? I don't know about all that, but. I do believe that, yes, he is. He deserves a phone call of, hey, D, hey, uh, what you think about uh, this guy? What you think about that guy? You know, what are your thoughts on this guy? Okay, how do you feel about that guy? He, de- he definitely deserves to have his phone number called on just to get his input on how he feels about said quarterback. There's no
1: doubt about that. Stan, let me ask you a little trivia. I like to throw trivia at you. Uh, and you should get this because you definitely know who it is. Jared standing Ooh. where's number three, standing where's number three, right? Who was the uh-huh. last Raiders starting quarterback to wear number
2: three? Oh, uh, uh, okay. Starting quarterback. I would have to go with, uh, to wear number three. I would have to go
1: with either.
2: Charlie Fry
1: or Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer. Good job, Stan.
2: Mm-hmm. How many, years did,
1: hey, how many years did you play with Carson? One or two? I can't just,
2: remember. Uh, just one. Just one. He came about mid-season, 2011, because, you know, he retired because, you know, Cincinnati wouldn't trade him. Right. And then uh, we acquired him somewhere, what, mid-season, something like that. He started uh, hurt, right? a couple games. Yeah, a couple games for us. Exactly. He started a couple games for us towards the end
1: of the 2011 season. So basically half a season. All right. Well, Stan, look, we haven't heard from Derek Carr uh, since, you know, all this unfolded. I don't think we're going to, uh, but we heard from his brother, David, who was an analyst on the NFL network. And here's what uh, David had to say uh, about his brother and very critical of the Raiders. And here's what he had to say in quote. So when I look at it, it wasn't Derek that changed. It was the Raiders that changed. So when I go forward with Derek, that conversation of him being retired or a Raider is no longer an option. He's playing football again. He's reinvigorated. He's going out, and the Raiders are going to seek a trade. They're going to bring trades, which Derek has a no-trade clause, which we all know, and they're going to listen. Mm -hmm. And he's going to look for a team that has a stable situation between their head coach and their ownership. Stable is the key word there. He's also going to be looking for a team that is also looking for a quarterback that has a reputation for game-winning drives in fourth-quarter comebacks. I'm Mm -hmm. excited. Maybe he's the missing piece for someone. We'll see what happens. All right, Stan. what do you think about uh, Derek's brother David's comments?
2: Well, obviously, um, you know, in that intricate situation, you got to look at how for for, for a David Carr, obviously his years with the Houston Texans, they went in a certain direction that he probably feels left a lot of meat on the bone as far as they didn't put certain pieces around him. So he has his own situation or his own memories of feeling like the team didn't necessarily do right by him. So he can empathize with a Derek Carr, who's right now going through a situation where he's had to go through multiple head coaches, he's had to go through multiple offense coordinators, and necessarily not being not feeling like your team is giving you every opportunity, giving you every advantage, giving you every perk for you to be at your tip top best. And I think that when you really, really go and you look at where Derek Carr lands throughout the pantheon of quarterbacks in the NFL, to me, I think he's probably somewhere between 10 to 15. I don't think Derek Carr is a scrub by any means, and I don't think there's anybody that would disagree with the sentiment that I just gave. But I can say this. It comes a time for everybody, especially at the quarterback position, we all know that's got the most longevity. But it comes a time where Peyton Manning didn't finish his career with the Colts.
1: Joe Montana Bond- <laughs> didn't finish with the 49ers, Dan.
2: Exactly, Matt Ryan won't finish his career with the Falcons. Nope. <laughs> you know, so like when you really just look at it in totality, that's a part of the evolution. Yep. That's just a part of it, and so obviously you don't like it. I mean, trust me, if he liked it, I'd actually think something's wrong with him. But it just comes with comes with the territory. So more than likely, Tom Brady is going to finish his career with the team not named the Patriots. He might think be a the team
1: next year, Stan.
2: <laughs> exactly. So, if Tom Brady and Peyton Manning if they don't finish their career with the team that drafted them, uh Come on now. <laughs> exactly. And that's where and that's where I think uh Derek Carr is now realizing that. That's where David Carr has been known that <laughs> no doubt about that. But, you know, Like I said, I get it. You want to go to a team that's got stability. No doubt about that. That's what I would want for him because I think that Derek Carr can do a lot of great things. I think he needs more pieces around him, more so than a lot of people anticipate that he needed. But I think for him to go to a situation where he's going going to a team that has a good defense, stable ownership head coach type of relationship where he's not always dealing with a new play caller or a new head signal guy every single year i think that would do him worlds of good and i think he would i think the stability would be a breath of fresh air not having to deal with a player getting in a car wreck where it kills somebody Yep. Not having to deal with being in a situation where another first round pick is getting kicked off the team because he's doing an i g live or a youtube video or whatever he did where he's got guns in his hand, you know, and just dealing with the ineptitude of draft picks where first rounders seem to not even get their uh their fifth their their fifth year option picked up. so I think that for Derek Carr, I think that uh after this trade or after he is acquired by a new team, I think he's going to look back and he's actually going to enjoy the breath of fresh air. I really, really do.
1: Let's hope he does. He's really been the face of that franchise, as you mentioned, through thick and thin. So, all right, finally, Stan, as I mentioned earlier, the Raiders wrap up their disappointing season, hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. The Raiders have lost four in a row to KC, and the last time the Raiders beat the Chiefs at home was when they were in Oakland, and that happened in 2019. It was a Thursday night game. Uh, What are you looking to see from the Raiders as they close this season out?
2: I would just like to see growth. I would like to see the defense actually shore up the holes that they have. I would like to see Jared Stidham go ahead and continue to take another positive step. That way we can see, okay, you know what? It wasn't just a fluke. It wasn't just beginner's luck of him uh, playing well against the San Francisco 49ers. I would like to see the Raiders defense do a better job against the pass. I would like to see them do a better job at not allowing big plays. I would like to see them do a better job at when you actually have the ball being tipped in the air because the pass rush is getting to the quarterback. It does not still fall into the hands of Brandon iU when you're trying to get a stop so you could eventually try to go ahead and win this game. I would like to see that not happen. So just uh, intricate situations here and there. And then, you know, I would like to see Josh Jacobs finish the year with the Russian title. I would really love to see that just for him not having his fifth year option picked up everything that he's gone through throughout the early stages of his life. Uh, I would love to see that. So it's a multitude of areas that I would just like to see finishing the year strong. We're clearly not making the playoffs. We know that and probably we'll have a new quarterback next season. And I say that because even though everything has not gone according to plan, You still would like to see those certain bright spots. That way you can hit next year on the ascending uh, angle rather than some sort of dissension, something like that. So I think it's a multitude of things I would like to see the Raiders finish off the year strong with. And I definitely will be sitting right there in front of my TV, glued to it Saturday afternoon, watching every play, hoping that I see everything come to fruition that I just outlined.
1: And you better believe I'll be texting you throughout the game as always, Stan. You know, <laughs> I just want to see. I'm like you, Stan. You know, congrats to, like I said, to Devontae Adams this has a wonderful season. Josh Jacobs, uh, Max Crosby, unfortunately, it's gonna, you know, only it's only gonna produce six wins. They've had marvelous seasons. Yeah. Uh, let's hope they see, you know, like you said, uh, continued growth from Stidham. I just want to see the fight and the resolve against the it's all against the 49ers. Absolutely, that's all I'm asking for at this point. Just show me fight. Just show me resolve. And then let's go into the offseason. Let's start over and let's see what the uh, 2023 brings. So, Agreed.
2: Agreed. No doubt about that.
1: Great, uh, great episode as always. Appreciate you.
2: Always, man. You know I love doing this with you.
1: All right, Raider Nation. That's going to do it for another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast presented by BetOnline.ag. From a partner Stanford route, I'm Dennis Ackman. Thanks so much for listening. And may all your punts find the confident corner.